going to do? said Terry quietly. You've killed him! We, said Gary, looking up and meeting the other boy's eyes. We? You fucking said do it, said Terry, again starting to weep. It wasn't me! It was both of us, said Gary calmly. You got the hose. You told me to, he began. It was both of us, repeated Gary firmly. We've got to think, he said. We've just got to think. By 11.30 they had filled in the trench to the level of the surrounding ground and silently started to gather their few things together. In the little wooden cabin that the site workers used to make tea and fry bacon and sausages, Terry pointed to the foreman's canvas snapbag and said, What about that? Gary opened the flap and looked at the flask of tea, penguin chocolate biscuit, and half-eaten sandwich still wrapped in its greaseproof paper. You gonna take it? asked Terry. Be better if you do, said Gary. Me? said Terry. Why me? You're going to football. You can dump it. Don't be stupid, said the younger man. I can't go and play football. Not now. Not after this. You've got to said Gary. We've both got to do exactly what we normally do. You go and play, and I'm going to Jenny's house. I'm not taking it, said Terry. You get rid of it. Okay. Let me think, said Gary. It's probably better if we leave it here. It's too late to put it in... And his voice trailed off at the thought of the interred man his mouth and throat full of the sandy earth that had killed him. Gary looked out from the little wooden shed at the half-built housing estate with its array of detached houses and large bungalows. In the show house, he said, it's nearly finished. No one will be going up there now. The two young men entered the open front door of plot number 33, took off their caked and muddy boots, and climbed the unpainted staircase to the top of the house. Terry watched as Gary mounted a trestle, and using his strong arms and elbows, levered himself up through the loft hatch and into the roof space. He straddled across the joists, until he was in the furthest corner of the eaves, pushed the little canvas bag down into the roof insulation, and fully concealed it. Ten minutes later, the young men stood outside the metal gates of the building site, as Gary padlocked it shut. We all left together. Okay, he said. I'll chuck the key in the stream. Okay, said Terry. It never happened, said the other man. Just forget everything, he said. That's all we got to do. And me and you, we never say anything. Not to anyone. Ever. Okay. Terry looked back through the gates, nodded his agreement, and they began to walk down the deserted road towards the town. Chapter 1 London, April 2010 Both Frank Kavanagh and Jane Salt were aware that they hadn't had sex for a month, and right now, each of them wished that it had been a month and one night. They lay there, completely still, quiet, 
and embarrassed by the silence that hung heavy between them. Eventually he breathed a sigh of the kind she'd heard him exhale a thousand times before. But they both knew that this was not the genuine sound of sexual repletion, merely a false and hollow echo of a noise that was meant to express that feeling. And now they lay there, welded together in the silence, and grateful for the darkness of the bedroom blackout blinds. After what seemed a decent interval, the kind of interregnum that she always liked when he held her, and in happier times they might have murmured a word or two of love, he pulled away from her. He sighed once more, as if to deny anew the barren nature of what had taken place between them during the last ten minutes. This was their elephant in the room, but an elephant with a skin a deal more.